Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Accelerate Your Business Growth with your host, Diane Helbig. Diane is a leading small business development and leadership coach, author, and speaker who is passionate about sharing valuable ideas, tips, and techniques with business professionals worldwide. Diane brings you the world's experts and gurus in all things business, whether it's sales, structure, social media, planning, or plateauing, guests bring their expertise and energy to each episode. When growing your business is your focus, Accelerate Your Business Growth is the show to listen to. Got a topic or guest suggestion? Let Diane know. The goal is to make sure you have the information you need to move your business forward. Thanks for joining us. Settle in and enjoy. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me. Today's podcast is sponsored by Audible.com. As I'm sure you know, Audible.com is a leading provider of audiobooks, but you may not know all the other content that they have for your listening enjoyment. So we are offering you a free trial. If you go to audibletrial.com slash businessgrowth, you can check it out for yourself. I highly recommend that you do it. I think you'll be surprised and pleasantly surprised at that. Over the years, the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast has continued to gain recognition as a great resource for small business owners, sales professionals, business leaders of all sorts. Excuse me, we've been fortunate to be included on lists of the best podcasts to listen to, including uh, recently a list of the 12 uh, best business podcasts on Forbes.com. And this is because of the guests. These are folks who have expertise in particular areas of business, and they join me to share that expertise with all of you. Uh, That way you can get the answers you need and do better things in your business. Today is no exception. My guest today is Maureen Metcalf. Maureen is the founder and CEO of the Innovative Leadership Institute and is a highly sought after expert in anticipating and leveraging future business trends. She helps leaders elevate the quality of their leadership and transform their organizations to create sustainable impact and results. She's captured her 30 years of experience and success in an award-winning series of books that are used by public, private, and academic organizations to align company-wide strategy, systems, and culture with innovative leadership techniques. Thanks so much for joining me today, Maureen. Thank you so much for having me on your uh, highly esteemed podcast. Oh, well, thanks. It's uh, gonna be even more esteemed now that you're here. Yeah, you are too (laughs) gracious. 
So uh, I want to jump right in and I would love it if you would explain what is innovative leadership. So the idea for, for me personally is I've worked with some, a, a lot of leaders who are highly successful and unfortunately many leaders uh, because they're so busy working on the work of the business, don't step back and innovate or update how they lead. They update their awareness of the technology they use, of the products and services, of supply chain management. They, they get smarter on a regular basis about a lot of content in the business. And yet as leaders, our primary role is leading, obviously, and yet many of us don't invest the time and energy to, to think about how the field of leadership is evolving and how we must evolve to match the changes in the outer world. And my exam or yeah, my example, I guess, is we, we wouldn't, none of us carry a flip phone anymore, I'm guessing, or, or you wouldn't be listening to podcasts. And yet there are leaders who still think about leading the way they did when they owned a flip phone. And what, what is heartbreaking for me is to see people who were recruited as absolute rock stars and then they're asked to exit because they are no longer rock stars. Their leadership skills have depreciated while they're working incredibly hard for the organization and, and they are left without employment and the need to uh, retool to find the next high impact role. And I would think they would struggle with realizing why they were let go. Is that fair? In some cases, yes. Yeah. Having um, lost a job uh, 20 years ago when our I was in the utilities industry when we went through the Enron crisis and um, my business was, I worked for a large consulting firm and my role was helping set up trading floors. It, losing that job to me, even though I wasn't involved in the, creating this crisis was absolutely devastating. Hmm. And even for people who are incredibly introspective it's hard to hard to figure out what's me what's them what do i need to change uh struggling with the sense of broken versus it wasn't my fault so so once someone is invited to exit for whatever reason and i'm sure many of your listeners are either the ones doing the inviting which i have also done to, yeah. to become an alumni of the firm and then having it happen it is just, at least for me, one of the most emotionally difficult challenges I've had. And so offering people a proactive path that increases their probability of being successful is part of what we offer. I don't, I don't like to come at it from the negative, but, but in a world where we have constant disruption, we have machine learning, robotics, um, continual change in mergers and acquisitions, most of us will face a significant change in employment. And for many, it'll be against their will. So how do we 
increase our own probability of success and increase the probability of the organization's success. Right. And that's, that's the work we offer. So how is um, uh, innovative leadership different from traditional leadership? Great question. So, so I'll use the example of what we're seeing now. The many leaders that got us to where they are are traditional leaders, and they have done an exceptional job of, in the U.S. and globally, creating an economy that has, has delivered us, most of us, a lifestyle that our grandparents couldn't imagine. Mm-hmm what we're talking about in the the leadership literature is called post-conventional or beyond the conventional leadership. And it invites leadership leaders to bring on board things we know about, but don't necessarily integrate. So becoming more emotionally intelligent, what does that mean for how I behave? What does it mean for how I collaborate in the midst of, um, the Black Lives Matter context post-pandemic. We, we are facing how we deal with diversity. And yet what we know again from the research and from experience is people who have differences, and, I, and when I say differences, I'm not just talking about ethnic or racial, I'm also talking about economic, education, gender, uh, different life experiences are able to create better solutions. But that means for the leader, I've got to, instead of having the solution, I have to have the right questions. I have to formulate a hypothesis. I now, I now address problem solving like a scientist would. So I formulate a hypothesis, I run experiments, I learn and grow along the way. So for a leader, my mindset has to shift from, I'm the one with the answers, to I'm the one who knows how to run the experiments. So that's where diversity of ideas comes in. How, who is my lab team? I, I, I work in, uh, with folks in medical labs and they're often a compilation of folks from around the world. And what I think is beautiful in some really well-run labs is having an experiment that is directionally correct, but not accurate is as learning from the experiment is more important than having the right experiment. Hmm. So if I'm trying to cure cancer, what I want is to cure cancer, not to be right. Yeah. How do we as leaders take on that mind of a scientist? And this is where I'll pull the diversity piece in. And it's a much, much bigger than a short, answer so I, I apologize for random no, that's great <clears throat> but when i start to bring in people who see the world differently it means we have a different conversation right because people aren't going to agree with me in fact they're going to disagree and some of them vehemently i have to be open to listening to differences integrating them into a bigger solution and helping people who have different points of view feel included even though we may have only accepted a very small portion of their contribution. So, so there's a whole yeah. different way about looking at problems um, from a much broader 
perspective now that we are living in a world that we we are seeing as so extensively interconnected and how I collaborate and inspire people and then how I deal with authenticity. You know, how are, are we seeing people own their lack of understanding or contribution to the problems we're facing and the distinction between those who can say and still maintain respect. I missed the mark, mark on that one. Here's what we're going to do. What yeah. is my level of trust in them compared to someone who doesn't? So, so I'm going to stop there because I feel like I'm doing a monologue. No, I, it's so interesting for me because, um, and I really appreciate the information because I listen to that and I hear um, one of my favorite things that you said is that that innovative leaders realize they aren't the ones with the answers. And I think that is so very valuable for leaders to embrace this idea that they are not expected to have the answers. They're expected to convene the resources, to have the conversations, to, for, to be able to find the answers, you know, with, with others. And so, you know, th this is right there with you need other viewpoints. You need people with different experiences. And that's tough. When we have been taught that as the, the leader, I've earned my way into this spot and I'm supposed to have the answers. Right. It's easy to say these words, but when someone comes in and asks me about something and all I can say is, I don't know. Yeah. That feels terrible. Now, my answer is usually, I'm, I don't know the exact answer, but let us figure it out right? I, I have a point of view. I'm not empty headed. Right. But right. to I love the word convening. And the other thing that brings in then is humility. Yes. I have to be able to say, I bring a lot to this. So again, I don't know, doesn't mean I'm uninformed. Yeah. It means I have a one of the multiple points of view that will be required for us to address the, the situation. And, and, you know, it's easy today to have this conversation post COVID or in the midst of the pandemic, because yeah. people truly don't know. We don't have <laughs> research. It's, if I said I had answers, you should appropriately say you're delusional. Right. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, so maybe now's a, a really good time uh, for people to be able to take a deep breath and not feel vulnerable and realize that um, in most situations, we don't necessarily have the best answer or the right answer. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean, as you said, that we don't have a point of view and we don't have input, but the goal is to find what at the time seems like the best way to go. Mm -hmm. So that, so I'm, I'm speaking from a list of seven mindsets and behaviors and that brings the next one, an unwavering commitment to right action. So I am most concerned with the holistic view of what will keep people safe and keep our economy running. And when I am committed to that as my North Star, 
then it is easier to convene and have the right question. Then we move through the process of being comprehensive in our thinking and empathetic because no, there there isn't a a perfect answer. People will be hurt no matter what course of action we take. Right. Yeah. Right. This is really interesting. Okay. So uh, I'm glad that you mentioned the, um, mindsets, um, these seven, because I definitely want to continue to go through them. So help us understand what 360 degree thinker, you know, being a 360 degree thinker Mm -hmm. is, you know, what does that look like? So it it is, and for each of us, we have a different span of influence and span of control. So I, especially if I'm running an enterprise, people are listening to your podcast around the world. So that's your span of influence. So as the conversation, we need to understand that what we talk about, what we do has a global influence. For many leaders, if we are still making now the conventional decisions solely focused on delivering um, ROI to our investors, so whether that's stock price or the family, if if it's a family business, um, that is absolutely critical. The money is the fuel for the business. And if I am not also thinking globally about my impact, I am now more quote fragile or Mm -hmm. less resilient because those external shocks impact me whether or not I'm thinking about them. So as I'm coming up with ways to now recover, again, thinking in the context of the pandemic, but this could be true if the disruption is artificial intelligence and robotics. The, the, the construct is the same. I need to be thinking about what are the threats to my organization and what are the opportunities and how do I leverage beyond conventional thinking and look really at the broader systems, systems within systems, industries, other industries, which just seems daunting. Yeah. And that's where the collaboration helps, right? So maybe my collaborator is someone from a different industry who who can talk about the trends they're facing. And together we look at um, how do we collectively leverage some of the trends we're seeing for our advantage rather than to be upended. Right. Right. So, yeah. And what I keep coming back to is actually the first one that you talked about, which is being professionally humble. Cause I feel like without that, you can't necessarily be able to, um, embrace the others. Absolutely. So, so that ties in very closely then to another one, which is highly authentic and reflective. So I have to, at the end of the day, be able to look at how did I do and what can I do better? Especially again, in when we talk about traditional versus innovative leadership, as a leader, if my goal is to continue to innovate myself and improve how I function as a leader, then that, that's a continual, hopefully virtuous cycle that reinforces my success and everyone I touch every, or everyone I impact. 
Right. So how am I, the humility goes hand in hand because if I think I have it knocked, I'm not going to be continually looking to improve. Right. Right. And it starts again with the mindset. Do I have a mindset of the, I think the tagline lightly is a growth mindset. Yeah. Right. At which I think it's just unbelievably critical at all times, but especially now I want to take a quick sponsor break and then, you know, um, continue with that. Accelerate Your Business Growth Podcast is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com. And while Audible.com has thousands of uh, audiobook titles, uh, they also have podcasts, Audible Originals, guided meditations, and just so much more. And there, there's, it's like un- incredible to me um, how valuable not only the content, but how we get to listen to it is that we can, one of the things that I like is that it's cross-platform, so uh, I can start to listen on my phone, in my car, and then I can come into the office and pick right up where I left off, you know, on another uh, device. Uh, And not only that, there really is a wide variety of content. So um, I guess, what I would say is I think if you can listen to it, it, it is probably there. I will share with you. Personally, the guided meditations are, are pretty awesome, especially these days. Uh, so uh, sign up for the trial. It's a free trial. You can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth, explore the variety of audiobooks and the different genres, and then take a look at the other programming that they have. I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised. I think you're going to find content that you really enjoy. Uh, today, we are speaking with Maureen Metcalf about innovating how you lead. Okay, so um, I feel like part of the reason this is so critically important is because change, it feels like change is happening at an accelerated rate anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that leaders can't you know, it's that old, what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. Sort of, you know, mentality. Mm -hmm. And so leaders really have an obligation to themselves and their business to uh, be in an innovative sort of mindset. I absolutely agree. And so you talk about things accelerating. I work with physicians and again, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, So talking to people running hospitals that they got their entire physician staff doing telemedicine in a a number of days and weeks, what would have taken years. Ah. So that patients were able to get care remotely when they couldn't go into hospitals because PPE wasn't accessible. And during times of crisis, people are able to solve problems amazingly quickly, especially when it means saving lives or saving their enterprise. Yeah, it, it, I have to say that I think that's a great example. And it has been remarkable how um, so many organizations and industries have, have just been able to pivot. Effect, like I have a client who the day that Ohio shut down, 
they just went to the store, they bought laptops for all of their staff, they dropped them off at their houses, they got them all set up on VPNs, you know, they just, and, and so it took a day, but then they were all back up and running remotely. It's and, been, and not everybody did that. Right, yeah, I, I know of organizations that didn't have the foresight and people ended up going in and getting their desktop computers. Mm. They weren't always able to get them wired in properly. It, it, yeah, so there are, are examples on both sides. What's also interesting is the number of people who were previously opposed to working from home yeah. <laughs> who have found that people who work hard at work work hard at home. Yep, that I know that has been fascinating. I agree with you. That's hysterical. And it's going to change work environments probably forever moving forward. Well, and think about, and I watched, and, and I'm not making a commentary pro or con for Mark Zuckerberg, but his talking about some people will not return to the office. Now, when you're hired, you may go into an office for a while to get acclimated, but the idea of expanding the labor market, if we can now recruit people who don't live in a big metropolitan area or yeah. people with disabilities who don't, aren't able to go into offices, but with accommodations in their homes can work amazingly effectively. Yeah. We've now, you know, think of all of the people who are bound to a location because they're taking care of a sick parent or the number of situations that make people not so mobile those people can now enter the digital workforce and it can change the dynamics of not only how work is done, but how people who are geographically bound can experience how communities work. And imagine what that does for the, for the um, ability to innovate in the organization, because now you can pull from a, an even more diverse crowd. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. Talk to me about um, being intellectually versatile. So again, this, you know, it's interesting that we're having this conversation at this period in history. So intellectually versatile means I have an interest in topics beyond my immediate work. So it could be I read um, biographies of famous leaders. Uh, one of my interests was African drumming. I, I am not at all talented, but living in Columbus, Ohio, the competition to join an African drumming group isn't high. Uh, I am able to pull from what I did in drumming and look at how a group of people comes together and performs and how the drum master navigates a group of disparate people often who haven't been, who, who come together as a hobby to drum. And so it's, it's fascinating to watch the human dynamics given my work. So those people, those of us who have diverse interests, we are able to pull from what we've learned in other areas. So I happen to, to be an avid consumer of international news. So, so what's happening in the world that I need to be thinking about that's impacting our, our current situation? So, so knowing 
being interested in back to the growth mindset, I'm curious, what can I learn from everyone I interact with and how can I bring that into my work to be more effective? I say, yeah, right. And being curious and, and being able to, <clears throat> before you had said something about, even if you pull in people from a different industry for a conversation, you're still going to learn things. So, um, I, you know, I know in the past, uh, when people have talked to me about hiring me and they'll say, well, do you have experience in my industry? And sometimes the answer is yes. And sometimes the answer is no. When it's no, it's, well, not in your industry. However, business is business, sales is sales, and I can learn mm -hmm. the industry, right? So sometimes you, uh, what, is, what is valuable is the outside view, not the same old, same old. Especially if an organization is rather insular, having people, and that's why we hire consultants, right? right. Because they have the broad range of experience so we, if the organization is primarily internally focused or has, has people grow up from within the organization and the industry, having that external experience, thinking about how Walmart manages logistics or how Amazon manages logistics. If you have a company that ships stuff, you should be looking probably at best practices for those people who are experts in logistics. Right. If you're doing robotics, you may look at pharmacy and how have pharmacy organizations been picking and pulling with significant accuracy. Because if the robots pull the wrong medication and kill people, that doesn't work. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. There's a level of precision that they've accomplished with machines. Right. Right. Yeah. That, those are great examples. Thank you. Okay. Uh, so we talked about highly authentic and reflective Talk to me some about inspiring followership. So if we think about leaders have followers in theory, unless I'm dictatorial and I, and I just tell you to do what I say or I fire you and that type of leader isn't, um, has trouble retaining people. Yeah. So, so as the, the world is changing again, we're looking at post-conventional leaders and, and this, all of the, the research from Gallup and others about employee engagement that even if I am working because I have to for a person right now, I will give incrementally more, more effort and different effort. So it ties to, am I willing to be creative? Am I willing to try new behaviors? The, those, so in a time of, of disruption, what we need is people who trust their bosses and their colleagues, right? I am safe when yeah. I come to work. And I am safe. They care about me. They care about my success. They care about what I think. They value my input. Uh, I heard recently the, the most recent uh, former commandant of the Marine Corps talking about the importance of empathy. And that was in interesting to me because my image of the Marine Corps is not a high empathy organization. <laughs> And yet, here's the commandant of the Marine Corps saying one of the more important skills leaders need, and think about the cohesiveness of Marine units. They go into battle together. They, and, and so here's an example of looking at other organizations. They save each other's lives. If someone isn't on their game, 
bad, seriously bad stuff happens, not right. when an email, people die. In those organizations, I have to know your skills, trust you. We've built trust, we've built empathy in that if you're struggling with something, we step in and we support you. So, so how do we create that kind of an environment where I have fundamentally forged a level of trust and respect and in that environment, we are in this together to solve problems. And, and here's the beautiful part. When I trust the people I work with, we're not only fixing, we're not only getting laptops to people when stuff goes wrong, but we're then stepping forward and imagining what's possible. So now that we're coming out of isolation, how can the workforce or the workplace look? What's possible for all of us? That only happens when we have trust, when we have collaboration, when we're thinking bigger, we're, we're out of the, we just get it done to, we can actually imagine a better future. Wow. That's interesting. So, so yeah. So, so it's sort of um, energizing. Mm-hmm. Huh. And then who knows what new ideas come out of that? And from whom? Yeah. That's the other piece is in, in the old, and again, we'll go back to the word traditional thinking, leaders had all the answers and others in the organization did not. And I realize leaders have uh, and fiduciary responsibility. They have a much broader view of what happens because of their altitude in the organization, the people they interact with, all of that stuff. So I'm not minimizing that leaders generally have the big, bigger picture. And yet someone in a very um, specialty focused part of my organization may see something because they don't see the big picture that we've overlooked that yeah. can be a brilliant solution to something that we can all leverage. Right. Right. And, and I find that a lot in, in organizations, like they, they'll make a decision about software, but they won't include everybody in the conversation. And then there's mm -hmm. a department that just can't use it. Because yeah. it, it, right. I mean, it's just customer service and hears from the customers all the time, how this doesn't work. Yeah. And often because you hear it so often, it becomes the water we swim in. And yet how do we create the, the interconnections so that we are inviting people and I, and collaboration. I realize with each of these, there is a, almost the, the, um, you know, what's the fairy tale? The 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 bed that's too hard and too soft. There's oh, the too prince. much oh, collaboration. Uh, uh, right. Right. The right. the it, I can't ask everyone in the enterprise, especially in a large enterprise, what they think about something. It's ridiculous. Yes. But I can ask for the voice from each of those perspectives. So I may have a person who represents uh entry-level folks who will see one perspective, someone from a logistics group, someone from security. So, so I want to be clear that any of these ideas, too, too much humility means people don't think I know what I'm doing because I always say, I don't know. 
I want to hear what you have to say. It, you know, there's a balance in all of this and certainly in collaboration, hearing the, the voice of, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. That's okay. The voice of that perspective without having overdone death by meetings. So that, that's so fascinating to me because I was just talking to somebody, I think it was yesterday, who said, who's in like a, you know, a C-level position and the, um, the, I can't remember which position it is, but, but like their superior, said to them, okay, the feedback that we got is that your folks would like you to lead more, that, that asking everybody what they think is great and not, you know, yeah. that, that at some mm -hmm. point, you know, someone has to lead, someone has to make a decision. So this is, this is fascinating to me. It's interesting. And, and I don't want to go into this because it's a separate conversation, but the developmental psychology, people at different levels of developmental maturity want a different kind of leader. Huh. So there are earlier in my, so think earlier in your career, you wanted a boss who knew what they were doing and they would just tell you what to do because you're early. Yeah. Later in our career, if someone tells me what to do, I will purposefully go around them and find it entertaining to find a different way to accomplish that goal. Yeah. So, <laughs> right. We, we get a little um, interesting later in life. Um, so how, how do I, as a leader sound like I have the answers to people who need me to have the answers and how do I sound collaborative and not just sound collaborative, but how am I collaborative for people who are able to engage in the collaboration productively and still see me as the leader? Wow. That, that sounds hard. <laughs> it is hard. <laughs> That's part of the art. And what's interesting is most people, we don't teach this, often yeah. in college, right? This isn't a, a, a body of work that is commonly known and leaders often derail because they're not understanding the nuances of, I worked with a client who had exactly that issue um, running an organization They were in the media space and saying what's happening in our industry is, is upending us. So people aren't necessarily watching the evening news anymore, but that's where our revenue comes from. And I want to engage everyone in getting their input. And there was a group of people working for him who said, we, we're not going to do your job. That's your job to figure out what to do. Wow. Then you're going to tell us what to do. Wow. He, was, he had the same response you did. Like, <laughs> I wouldn't want someone to tell me what to do. Right. So, so this is where the inspiring followership piece and the collaboration piece, I have to understand what my followers need from me and create an environment where they give input in the span that they feel comfortable. Because if I open that aperture too much, people will feel like I'm not leading, I'm not trustworthy, and they will actually, instead of stepping in, they will withdraw because they feel less safe. So wow. it really is an interesting dynamic of what feels safe for you and I is open the door and I'm going to contribute. What would have felt safe for me at 20 or 22 
would have been tell me where my desk is, turn on my computer, tell me what software to use, and I'll go solve the problem you've given me to solve. Yeah. What? Wow. That 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 is crazy. So so then so number seven is innately collaborative and uh, and we've been talking about being collaborative. Mm -hmm. So but but I guess I want to better understand innately collaborative. Is is this that uh, someone is able to be an innovative leader if they come to the table with this so, ability to collaborate? What is that? So think mindsets again. I have a bias toward collaborating. And I would say my inner conversation often is, I know I need input from these people because we'll produce a better product. So I ask for input. And what I really secretly want is for people to say, it's good, you're right, let's go. Um, that never happens, by the way. They never say, it's good, you're right, let's go. They may say it's good, but we <laughs> always end up improving what I start with. So I, I think I'm competent. I, my track record shows I'm competent, but I'm collaborating on a book right now and it's been, um, it's on healthcare leadership and working with a t couple of top academics and it's amazing how much better the work is because of these conversations. But, but an example is it's something simple like the word resilience. We use that word very differently or ecosystem, very different use of the same word. So we may in a meeting think we've all agreed on resilience as a, an important topic and it is, but they think resilience is important for one reason. I think a very different meaning of that word is important for a different reason. So the process of collaborating gets complicated. It just, it's a lot more conversation, but the book we come out with will be significantly better because of those conversations and because we've gotten to the root of some of the issues we're trying to address and then crafted a solution. So it also, that again, circles back to humility. I don't get, get to be in charge, even though I'm the lead author. Um, right. I'm, I chose to work with people who are smarter than me in some areas. And that means I have to engage my growth mindset, be reflective and authentic, which means at times saying, this doesn't feel good to me. It feels like you're completely assaulting what I've created. And what I hear back is absolutely not, but we need to get to a shared meaning. Right. So, so it's, you know, the, the wow. thing we don't talk about in this often is as a leader, I need to be incredibly vulnerable yeah. and willing to be wrong. I don't want to be wrong. Right. Yeah. But I'm not always right. Yeah. It feels bad. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like I'm betraying the people who who trust me. Right. It's not a, an ego bit of being wrong is bad. It's I have a whole identity built built around being competent. Right. And, and people are expecting that. And they do because if I'm advising someone 
and they trust me and I'm wrong, that's a serious consequence, which is why this authentic and reflective bit is so important. I better catch that mistake quickly and own it, not say I've covered it up and they won't notice, but if my mistake impacts someone else and my mistake, look at Fauci and um, what's happening with the pandemic. Yeah. We get guidance, scientists tell us something different. We get different guidance, scientists tell us yet something different. So Fauci wasn't wrong because he's bad. Fauci may have been slightly inaccurate in his recommendation because he gave the best recommendation science had at that moment. And then we learned something new. As, right. as a leader in this space, I am going to be continually learning and growing. And that means my guidance is going to change. And I have to own, this is what I told you last week and it changed. And right. we need to change course. Right. And, that, and that's part of the, um, w when you inspire followership, people appreciate that. Like, you know, they, they don't turn around and go, oh, see, I should never. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, think, I think we all have moments where we say not again. Yeah. <laughs> can't you just, darn scientists, can't you just figure this out quicker? Well, that is true. <laughs> <It's actually laughs> right. Right. So, Why is it so complicated? <laughs> we may not love to hear the new information. Yeah. But we have to. And that's, that's the piece I think that, that the pandemic is really teaching us is, yes, I am committed to right action. And yes, I don't have all the information. And we are all learning and changing as absolutely quickly as we can. And it's not quick enough. People yeah. will be significantly disadvantaged because of what's happening. And how do we trust and support one another? And this is something that's not listed explicitly in the competencies, but we have to come together to solve the problems. It is no longer good enough to say those darn scientists or those darn logistics people. Yeah. We have to work together to solve big problems that are impacting our entire globe, right? This isn't an American issue. It's not a healthcare issue. It is a global pandemic. We're seeing the Black Lives Matter protests expand throughout the world as if the pandemic wasn't enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, it'll be something else. We are at this very precious point in the world where we have the opportunity to solve incredibly large problems that have been generational, right? The, the, and we are the leaders who get to do that. There is a privilege in we are the leaders who get to do this, but there is no faction that solves it. Absolutely right. everyone has a voice and everyone plays a role, whether it's a big role or a small role, in how we show up and treat one another. Yeah. 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 It is a fascinating time uh, to be on the planet. With, with, <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, and this is when we get to say what's possible. What, what legacy do we want to leave our grandchildren? Yep. Do we want to be the people who stepped in and created a, a change in direction for how work is done, how people interact, 
how we view um, otherness, whatever that definition is, and and how we work as a human family. Right, right. I think that's part of what is so fascinating about this, that there, it, it feels like there has been a shift, you know, a title shift, <clears throat> and um, that, that things are changing. And, and interestingly, the people who are showing up as leaders mm-hmm. at this time, um, it's pretty vast. Yeah. You know, right? We have young people, old people, people in the middle, you know, all different faiths, all different heritages, mm-hmm. genders, you name it. As opposed to in the past where we would have expected our formal leaders mm-hmm. to take the helm. Well, and that's where, to me, this model is so important. That what it, I've heard similar comments to what, what you did. You're not, quote, leaderly. That's why people occasionally bring me in to coach someone, to help them be more leaderly. But our definition of leaderly is often fairly authoritarian. So not only is the job to help someone become, quote, more, more visibly taking the helm, but also to help the followers understand that leadership looks different now. What we need from our leaders today is different than even six months ago. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And who I trust should be different now. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been fascinating, and I'm sure you see this as well. People who were seen as just mediocre are stepping in in a brilliant way. And some of the people we thought we would follow without question are just not bringing it. Yep. Yep. No question. It, it is, it is been fascinating to watch. Uh, I, you know, because I mean, you are like a student of human behavior, mm-hmm. uh, right? It, it's, yeah. it's a fascinating thing. And, and I, to some degree am. Um, so I just think these are such interesting times and leaders have, or or people who want to be effective leaders have a real opportunity to um, embrace these mindsets and ideas and change the way they look at leadership if they're not already on this boat. um, So that the, the impact that they have in their organization has can be so much greater. Thank you for saying it that way. As yeah, as we hit this kind of multiple tipping points, we get to make changes people never imagined. Yeah. At a rate they never imagined. Yeah. So so my invitation is to think about what's possible because so often we're just trying to make it through the day. We all are just trying to get through all of the meetings and all of the emails and deal with the stuff we have to. And yet, when we can take a step back, go for a walk, listen to the guided meditation, and think about what can we create at this moment, the, the future can be brilliantly better than the past. Yes. Yes. Oddly, I can't help wondering, not wondering, but thinking that if, if not for the pandemic, where so many people have 
time that they didn't have, would the, um, the, the racial conversation be able to happen the way that it's happening? My sense is they, they are a cumulative event in part because people felt like they had no voice when they got locked down. Yeah. E even though it, it was appropriate to save lives. I, I'm, yeah. I am in support of saving lives. But coming out of I had less self-efficacy, I wonder how many people can now relate to what Black people have been dealing with for generations, and that's just a little bit of it, right? I yeah, worry when yeah. I walk out the door. I, as a white person, haven't, uh -huh. I, I don't imagine, I try to imagine, but I haven't had the experience of being pulled over because I'm white. Right. Or being right. hit by a police, I've been pulled over because I speed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually breaking the law. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and I don't see when I get pulled over, I've never been abused because of right. my speeding. I have annoyed police officers. But yeah. they've never hit me. <laughs> I, I, I have certainly gotten terse tones, but yeah. I've earned that. Yes. Right? It's not because of how I look. I can't imagine right. being afraid or teaching my children that they have to be afraid because they could be killed. Yes, exactly. And we will never be able to understand that. And, and that for me is, uh, you know, I realized with all of the, I didn't, uh, well, whatever. I, I knew that I had to be able to stand up and say, there is such a thing as white privilege. I will never be able to understand. And this is for white people to solve. I mean, it's for all of us to solve, but I think white people have to, we, we just have to own the reality mm -hmm. and be able to have the conversation without feeling threatened. Like, I don't understand how admitting there's white privilege is a threat to white people. I, I think the threat for, and I, I'm going to go to the developmental psychology again, if I admit I'm privileged, and, and I, I agree that I know I'm privileged, I, on so many levels, right? Yeah. I, I had yeah. college educated parents, so I went to college. There, there are so many ways that I won the lottery. Yeah. And one means somebody else lost. And yet from a developmental perspective, there were people, a lot of people, a large percentage of the population, who if they admit they're wrong, admit that they have received un, um, unearned advantage, makes them, um, th that is a, a, as if you have just said you're a bad person. Oh. So I think hearing you have been privileged is equal to saying you have stolen from someone and they didn't mean to steal from someone. Right. So, the, so it, I think it's hard for, from a developmental perspective, people to let in that message and own, you didn't mean to be bad, but because of your whatever. Advantage. Advantage. 
you are in a position where you don't have to experience this kind of discrimination and it is yours to help fix. You are right. an ally. In, and the, so my invitation to everyone is be an ally. Right. And we don't, right. you know, I, I, even as we talk about this, I'm, I am afraid I'm going to say something that will offend because I'm uninformed. And yet doing nothing is not the solution. Even if right. I say it badly, it is ours to frequent black owned businesses, mentor people. And that's not to say I'm better and I'm mentoring someone who's not as good. Co-mentor. I want to learn and I want to help. So how do we create relationships where it's okay to ask the question? Questions. Right. Right. Exactly. Because the only way we're going to learn is, as, as you say, being intellectually versatile, mm -hmm. right? And humble and committed to, it's so interesting. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at this list thinking, yeah, okay, committed to right action. Mm -hmm. Have a 360, be a 360 degree thinker. Authentic. Yep. Authentic yep. to me stands out here. I taught a class on Monday and it was a... Um, a, a group, a diverse group of people. I, and I ended up um, kind of tearing up saying, you know, we did a moment of silence, but the, we are here together going to fix the, the people in the room are going to fix this problem, yeah. not alone, but we have to own that we get to make an impact and we, we are called to make an impact. And that, means for many of us having very uncomfortable conversations. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. We got to be strong enough to, to do that. Absolutely. Boy, Maureen, I so appreciate this conversation um, and, and just love these um, leadership mindsets and competencies. They make so much sense. I, I'm grateful uh, to you for joining me to share them with everyone, um, you know, with all of the listeners. And speaking of them, will you uh, share, you know, what you have going on and, and how people can find you, please? Absolutely. So one, I'll share the website and uh, on www.innovativeleadershipinstitute.com. On the homepage in a blue box is uh, take the assessment. It's free. It will walk you through these seven competencies and it'll ask you to score yourself now and going forward. So you'll have a gap analysis and then you'll get a series of emails. I think one per competency that gives recommendations. We do not hunt you down. We do not <laughs> hound you. So please take the assessment. It is, it's either seven or eight emails and then we stop. So you will not get, ongoing stuff from me, but it's so important to me that leaders now think about and build these mindsets. The other is the website is a wealth of information. We post uh, blogs every week. There are other assessments. We do a lot of podcasting. So we also have um, other thought leaders joining us. I write for Forbes. So everything on the website is free and accessible. And I really invite people to 
use what we're creating. My, my focus is helping elevate the quality of leadership around the world mm. and making tools available and accessible, easy to get it is really important. So I invite your listeners, please keep listening to Diane. She's brilliant. And <laughs> if you get the time, go to the website and think about how you can improve your leadership at this point in time in this context. Even if you're absolutely amazing already, there's always an opportunity to get a little better. Yep. Yep. Always. And I think innovative, innovative leaders know that. Yes, uh, they do. <laughs> right. So thank you, Maureen. And listeners, thank you. Boy, I mean, this was just a, a great episode for you. It, it's one to listen to a couple of times and please go to the website and take the assessment and, um, you know, see where you are and then take it again later and see how you're progressing. I would also like to thank our sponsor, audible.com. Um, you can go to audibletrial.com slash business growth to sign up for a free trial and explore all of the incredible audio uh, content that is available to you, not just audiobooks, but so much more. As always, continue to prosper and be curious. And until we meet again on another episode of Accelerate Your Business Growth, goodbye and good day. Hey guys, this is Gabby Douglas. If you have an active lifestyle like me, hydration is key. That's why I love the Hydration Watermelon Smoothie from Smoothie King. Blended with whole fruits, coconut water, and more electrolytes than some of the leading sports drinks, Hydration Watermelon is the cleaner way to hydrate with no artificial colors, flavors, or preservatives. So you can recover and perform at your peak ability during the summer heat. Order online or through the app for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Pip 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 Powder Donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. (laughs) Right.